Hi, thanks for tuning in. This is Druggish for the People. This podcast will contain my feelings and opinions and uh, stories from from my practice in pharmacy, but none of this should be taken as just hardcore fact. This is more about stimulating questions that you can then take to your pharmacist and your doctor and your healthcare team uh, to help you better understand and participate in your care. And once again, just a little reminder, if you're looking for medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, you won't find it here. You need to use your healthcare professional for that. Hi, this is Donald, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about drug uh, drugs and what they are and what we know and what we don't know. I would say it'd be a good idea for pharmaceutical companies' research uh, labs to have a sign on the door that says gone fishing and it should stay up all the time because that is what they're doing. We have uh, we have a lot of confidence on the one hand in science and that it's a very specific data-driven objective thing. Uh, but it's, uh, we just are making our best guess with, with uh, science, the applied science in this case of uh, medicine and developing new drugs. And there are hundreds of examples of this kind of thing uh, that is stumbling onto a drug and finding out that it works. Um, I had a question about, this from a young lady, and she wanted to know why her doc thought that this one particular antidepressant was going to make her less sad. And she just wondered, why sertraline for me? why that one and how does how does he know that and um frankly it's it's just based on um and it, it's not anecdotal evidence it's been plenty of research done in this kind of thing but we stumbled onto the idea of antidepressants um and a real quick history the um in the 50s they were researching drugs to treat uh tuberculosis and one of those drugs um they found that the patients, after they started taking this drug, were in a better mood, their appetite increased, they were sleeping well. And, you know, the pharmaceutical industry is like, hey, we're on to something here. Um, what this was, was the first monoamine oxidase inhibitor. It's a, it's a potent uh, group of drugs. And so they inhibit this enzyme that would normally break down these compounds that result in a positive affect, um, norepi and serotonin, that kind of thing. Um, the problem with them is you get that benefit and then they found out that the blood pressure can jump dramatically and you can have uh, potential liver damage. Um, with these drugs, you had to avoid fermented cheeses and wines and that kind of thing. So onward, and then it's later in the 50s, tricyclic antidepressants, another group. And they thought, well, let's just tr try this for schizophrenia. It did not work, but they found that the people who were depressed were having some improvement. So, again, it's hit and miss. Uh, and when I first got out of school and started filling scripts, uh, I remember seeing so many for antidepressants and antipsychotics. And the doc would, if they chose to make an indication to tell the patient what this stuff was for, uh, that's a crazy thought. Uh, they would write chemical imbalance, chemical imbalance. And this was the thought for decades and decades and still is a part of the thinking 
Um, but after we got through the 50s and these tricyclics, there were problems with other other disease states and it could affect the heart's conductivity. There were a lot of things you had to keep an eye on. So then we get into, and you might be more familiar with the serotonin specific reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs. And that's Prozac was the first big one from Lilly, which was synthesized um, from diphenhydramine, which is Benadryl. So there's where the first fluoxetine um, Prozac came from. And it was really popular. Uh, the idea being it's going to be very specific for increasing the concentration, the, the amounts of the serotonin in the synapses, and therefore increase the affect to have this positive effect on depression and not to have these side effects. Uh, and they, they have been effective, but there are some side effects with them as well. Um, and so also they, they were finding that they weren't getting the results in some people that they, that they wanted and it wasn't acting as quickly. It can take, you know, six, eight weeks and sometimes longer for them to start having an effect. So um, in the 70s, um, 80, well, actually the 70s was SSRI, the 80s and 90s, uh, we got into like a reuptake inhibitors of not only serotonin, but the norepi, which is adrenaline. So you get this kind of immediate boost, and then you've got this the serotonin being increased over time. Um, and so that's a little bit of different me mechanism, but it's still, still the, the thing is you're trying to correct this chemical imbalance. Like we're just not that simple, frankly. <laughs> but this is the this is the, the image that we're working with. This is what we've got. And the other one was a um, a dopamine norepi reuptake inhibitor, and that's. Uh, bupropions. That's a very well butrin's the trade name. It's a it's a very different mechanism for that one. Um, but again, this has all been referred to as a chemical imbalance, and this is the way we've gone about it, just from sort of hit and miss. Um, and and we're getting into, you know, now there's this idea that it's not just a chemical imbalance that there are, you know, these functional changes that are occurring, structural changes that might be occurring in the brain. So they're thinking in new new uh, types of approaches to antidepressants. Ketamine is something that's been used. It's 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 draw one of the drawbacks is this dissociative stuff that you know people have out of out of body experiences. There can be hallucinations. Um, has to be closely monitored uh, like in a doctor's office if that was to be used. Um, so anyway, you can see when you go through this continuum, you have all these options and you just want to make sure that you're getting a safe option that's reliable and predictable and has minimum side effects to, to treat what's going on with you. And everybody is different. And frankly, every person, again, no, you're never the same. And so what's been happening? Um, what's changed in a person's life? Sometimes comorbidities can, can raise the, the chances of depression occurring. Um, diabetes, uh, heart, heart conditions, these kinds of things can, can change that. So back to the young lady's question, why did the doc think this? Well, hopefully she communicated clearly and they had a, a, a long discussion about if she was truly depressed and, and what that entailed for her. 
Uh, it's not just about feeling sad. Uh, that's part of the deal. <laughs> we all get to feel that, but there is, there are these, you know, these clinical indicators that need to be present for a certain amount of time, and the patient be, should be really closely monitored. And these, this is all very real. So, I, um, for her, it, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna kind of, I'm sticking with this idea that she needs to really communicate clearly what is going on and then what's important. Uh, a number of the antidepressants, the SSRIs, the um, Prozac, Zoloft, those kinds, Celexa, can cause some sexual dysfunction as well as the uh, serotonin uh, norepi reuptake inhibitors, which is um, Cymbalta, Effexor, that kind of thing. Um, the bupropion, the, the um, Wellbutrin, has less of an incidence of causing that, of causing any sexual dysfunction. Trazodone is an antidepressant that's given at bedtime for sleep, um, and it's used in folks who might be have substance abuse issues. But there have been cases of priapism with that. So um, this is, you know, and which is can be a very dangerous situation. Actually, uh, there are like a hundred jokes waiting on this one. But um, so what a person needs to do is just make sure that they've communicated everything about what their concerns are. Now, how did, how did the doc know that this was going to be the best drug to make her less sad? And it, it's this, this um, risk-benefit issue that always has to be addressed, and there are basically roadmaps. Um, they're called algorithms, and we talk about that in a different podcast. But So if you're just starting out um, and you've expressed what your issues are, uh, it's probably an SSRI if nothing else has been used before. And what will happen is as you as you progress and you stay in contact and um, a little old fashioned, I think that therapy talking with people is a great idea. Psychotherapy is expensive uh, and shouldn't last, you know, forever. But I, I think it's a, a wonderful thing to try and uh, if you can come to understand causes and how to deal with with the what whatever might be going on with you, whatever um, parts of the depression uh, that you might be able to identify uh, as having a cause from your past. Um, so the reason that she that she's getting that drug is probably for those reasons. And finally, the doc, most docs, I think, maybe all of them, there are so many drugs available and. Docs get familiar and comfortable with one or two out of a group that are using the same mechanism of action, the serotonin-specific reuptake inhibitors. There's a couple that they might feel comfortable, or one, um, and right down the line. And this goes through all the classes of drugs and whatever the... If it's a primary care physician, there's a broad spectrum of drugs, and specialists have their favorites. So that may play into it as well. Um and I think moving forward, it'd be a great idea if a doc says this drug is going to do this for you to say, what makes you think that? What's what? Why is that true? And do you have any more questions for me? Because you need to make sure that 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 there's this two way communication going on with you and your doc. That It's not it shouldn't be a super simple process. There should be some real thought that goes into whatever it is, uh, whatever drug that you are 
potentially going to take. And with these antidepressants, um, it's it it's something that is so important. And I just feel like we don't understand it well enough to just give it. It's it's not like Ron Pompeo's uh, kitchen top cooking stuff where you set it and forget it. This is it's so important to know when you started taking it, what dose you started taking, and just to keep keep track of how you're feeling and anything that you might be noticing that would be considered a side effect. Um, so that when there's the next dialogue occurs, and if it's one where you need to contact the doc because something disconcerting might be happening, that you can trace it accurately and you've identified when it started, when you started your drug, and therefore the, the idea of it being a cause and effect uh, would be believable for your doc. So anyway, um, I appreciate that that question. And um, just a reminder that there are people out there to help you if you need the help. A reminder about the 988 number, which is the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. That's 24-7, 365 for help, and then the, the Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration. It's a government organization, but they can provide referrals and help you as well, and your local resources. Uh, if, if you need to to reach out to them as well, the, the your local hospital emergency department. Um, so please um, reach out when you need that help. And in addition, talk to your pharmacist where, where you're getting your medications and um, if you have concerns about um, your antidepressants or any of your medications, you can talk to the pharmacist and, and your physician and get help there as well. So I, uh, I appreciate you listening. Hope everyone's well. This has been and will be Druggists for the People.